Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Coger Center Arts Roundup. You're listening to the Coger Center Arts Roundup. My special guest this week is none other than Karen Alexander from the Anti-Karen Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. But, Nate, I have a new name now. Tell me. It's Karen Alexander Banks. Karen, that's right. You've just come back. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Newly married. Miss Karen Alexander Banks. I'm going to have to change my notes. Uh, so uh, do you want to talk about what married life? Right now, it's wonderful and crazy. We are merging homes. And oh, my goodness. So every room in our house has stuff out of order. Who Are you moving into whose home? Uh, he moved into my home that I'd been in for 25 years, and it had all my stuff. So now you we're... You just had to fit a whole second house worth of stuff in. Right. And so we're, we're compromising. I gave away um, two couches and a chair, and we got stuff that reflects the both of us. Fantastic. Well, congratulations again on the, the wedding. Thank you. You all went someplace fun? You went, there was a honeymoon. Well, I'm, we did a mini honeymoon, and yes. we're doing our big honeymoon next month. We're going on an eight-day cruise, and it's going to be um, Alicia Keys, Usher. Um, what? Yeah, and it's entertainment for eight days. So it's one of those kind of cruises. Yes. Like every night, a new headliner. Right, and there's 24-hour entertainment. Oh, my goodness. You're not going to get any sleep. I've been on the cruise before, so I'm going to pace myself. Kevin's going to probably go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. Well, thank you. That sounds like so much fun. Well, I don't, I was going to, I feel like that's the perfect segue into talking about what's going on at the Coger Center. I was going to ask you a lot about the Anti Karen Foundation, which I think is important. But the thing that I'm so excited about is next Friday, we have the Legends of Concert at the Coger Center and tell people who's coming. Sure. Um, this is our 16th Legends of Concert series in silent auction, and it's featuring Peebo Bryson and Stephanie Mills. For those of you who don't know, Peebo Bryson is probably famous for his Beauty and the Beast um, song that he did for Disney, and he also did A Whole New World for Aladdin. And Stephanie Mills was the original Dorothy on The Wiz, but she also had an amazing R&B career after that. Right. This is the Broadway Wiz. The Broadway not, Wiz. Not the film. Right. And uh, so they're both theater. I mean, they're both musical theater people yes. to a certain extent. Yes. Which is really cool that they're coming to, you know, a venue that does musical theater. And then we've got these legendary artists who have the similar background. Um, how did you start this concert series? It started as a fundraiser for the Anti-Karen Foundation? It's our signature fundraiser, but it's also one of our programs. I wanted to have a way to celebrate African-American history. And so we decided that we would feature, and it didn't start off as Grammy Award-winning artists. We wanted national act. We would feature um, artists who'd made a major contribution to the music that just happened to be of African descent. And if that person is no longer living, we would celebrate their life. So we've been doing this now. This will be year 16. We took a year off in 2017. But we've brought in Grammy Award-winning music legends for 16 years at the same venue, which we absolutely love, the Coger Center. It's fantastic. And wouldn't, wouldn't have any other place. And, and the reason the Coger Center is so important, I was a student at the University of South Carolina. And when we first started what we call our master class series, I partnered up with USC to present that. That was Al Jarreau back in 2006. And so it was my mission to not only honor the school that nurtured me, but to also be able to give back. So each year since 2006, the artists will do a master class for kids. 
and um, and when I say kids, I mean young high people. School? Um, elementary or? on to college. Uh, elementary through college, wow. And the so. majority of the kids are middle and high school students, but we've had some amazing kids from the elementary level ask some very significant questions in the years that we've been doing this. But we've had everybody from Shaka Khan, Gladys Knight, Al Jarreau, um, Babyface. The Babyface one was really good because there was this um, acapella group here um, at USC that they would cover Babyface's music, so they got to sing for him when he did the master class here. That's special, like a w once in a lifetime. How it, often do it you was to do great. That? How long has the Anti Karen Foundation been going? This is our nineteenth year, but I've been doing the work pretty much all my life. So there, you do a number of things. Uh, I'll let you decide where to start. Tell us about the foundation and how you started it? Let's sure. maybe start at the beginning. Okay. So how, did, how did it come to be? I just mentioned I was a student at USC. Um, when I was here, I performed in a group called Carolina Live. And when I graduated from school, I moved back home to Charleston, South Carolina, where I was a first grade teacher, but still had the bug to sing. So I sang jazz and taught school. And as a teacher, I would write music for my kids. So I wrote this song back in 1984 that I used in 85 for my kids called The Octopus Song. And I taught for six years and then worked for a company called Xerox. And Xerox transferred me to Columbia. But I still had the bug to sing, so I started my own band in 1995. What kind of music? Uh, jazz. It started off as jazz, but, you know, people said they want jazz, but they really want to dance. So we ended up being a jazz R&B um, type dance. But my keyboard player and I found this notebook from my songs that I wrote when I was a teacher, and we took one of the songs, the octopus song, and put it to music. So that was back in 2000. And in 2001, literally got the bug to step out on faith and took that one song and turned it into Olivia the Octopus, and then Auntie Karen was born out of that concept. So where did the Auntie Karen name come from? In our family, we call our aunts Auntie. And back in 1985, my cousin was out in California and I went to visit him, and he didn't want his three-year-old daughter calling me Karen, so he coined me Auntie Karen. And that later that year, I became an actual aunt. My sister had um, a daughter, and so I actually became Auntie Karen back in 1985. Uh, so you took a leap of faith. You you worked for a corporation. Yes. They gave you health benefits and a salary and things. Yes. And then you decided that instead of just doing this sort of philanthropic work on the side that you would make it a full-time job for yourself? It wasn't that simple. It was, okay, what is my purpose? And it was not to start a foundation. My purpose, I thought, was to create music and travel around the world singing and helping people through that. Auntie Karen grew out of that. So literally, I left Xerox in August. We incorporated the foundation in October, and it basically took on a life of its own. And our mission is to empower, enlighten, and educate through the arts. And we've been doing that ever since. And you reach all age groups, right? Elementary through college? Yes, all college? age groups through college. And actually beyond And, and that, beyond. And beyond. But our, my focus, because I'm an ex-first grade teacher, is to um, focus on pre-K through second with my cartoon characters. And then we do a Young Entrepreneurs Conference, and we celebrate kids from 7 to 22 with their own businesses. But I actually had a four-year-old who started her own company, and she still has it. She's now 10. What, what is that business? She makes rubber band jewelry. It's called Z-Mac Jewelry. The, like the bracelets? And, the rubber band and, bracelets, yes, yes and earrings. And, and she literally came to a conference. Um, we were featuring her aunt, 
and she left there and said, Auntie Karen, I'm going to start my own business. And that was October. By May the following year, she had her company and she said, can I show at the conference? And at that time, we were only showcasing kids from 7 to 22. So I'm like, you have your own business? You ready? She's like, I'm ready. And so, you know, we don't limit. What we do is we become that catalyst and hopefully inspire something in somebody and and we've been doing that now for this will be our 18th year doing the conference and i'm excited because i have three kids one just won um an emmy one got nominated for two grammys and one just dressed michelle obama and beyonce and mary j blige and these are all kids that have come through that program so the uh, the entrepreneur uh technopreneur entrepreneur classes it's not just about inspiring the kids but you give them skills for how to take their passion, desire, idea, and actually take the steps necessary to start something? So you're giving them some We do both. Tools? Yeah, so the Young Entrepreneurs Conference, we showcase kids that already have their own businesses. Right. But we also introduce kids who have no idea that they can do that. And some of them have started their own businesses after coming to that event. Our artpreneur, technopreneur class is we take seasoned artists and they teach their skill sets to kids. So we've been doing that. That's my oldest program. It started in 2003. And we work now mainly in rural communities. So I tell people we're working the Vils, like Bishopville, Hardyville, Timminsville. And those kids, when we started in Bishopville, hadn't had art for seven years. So can you imagine a world with no art? Right. So they got nothing in the school, they no got after school program. Nothing for seven years. And we partnered up with them and became their their partner. And so now we have artists in the school. We started with a summer program, but now we do it throughout the year. And they told another school that was sim- school district that was similar, and they called us and were able to do that as well. So I have lots of questions about this. Uh, why why didn't they get art in the schools? Was it just lack of funding? Was it yes a lack when of, when they of, did budget cuts? Mm-hmm. That was the first thing to go. And if you're not an educator, you see art as fluff. You don't realize the value that it brings to everything else. So you were able to then, through the foundation, provide the paid artists to come to the school so the school didn't then have to come well, up with budget? Some, some. Like tell, when we first when we first started, we were able to provide it where we would pay the artists. But now they hire us and they provide the funding for us to bring artists into their right, schools. So w- once they realize the value, not the people in the schools themselves, but the people responsible for the funding see that it's in the schools and they see that it's valuable, then they are able to suddenly find the money again. Yes, and there's still, I mean, there's still um, a ways to go, but they, you know, somebody in their wisdom deemed that every child should have access to art and every child should have access to music. So we help fill that gap. Because you have the skill set to find help find the artist. It's yes. I, I'm assuming that if you hand somebody money and say, "Here's some money to get art in the school," but you don't have the background, you don't know who to call. Yeah, we we've been doing this for a number of years, and like I said, I'm doing what God's purposed me to do. So when you're doing that, you're like a magnet, and so we have attracted some amazing people through the years just by keeping that philosophy. And you do this statewide. Oh, yes, how, we how, we're we're in Columbia, but how we far we do the artists in the school statewide. Mm-hmm. Um, the cartoon characters we've done five continents. We've been global with those characters, and then um, my other programs we like to focus what I consider the Midlands area, bringing kids from North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia to the Midlands area, which is you know Columbia. 
Right. Which is great for Columbia and great for those students as well. Yes. You'll be amazed at how many kids in some of these rural schools have not seen an escalator or have not been to Columbia. And it's, you know, less than an hour drive. And for people who haven't been here, for example, this is a big city. There's things here yes. that they don't see other yes. places. Yes. We did our Black History Partnership this year with the, the library. And there were a group of kids that came up from Lee County and hadn't seen an escalator before, had their first escalator ride. And they were middle and high school kids. Wow. And we take that for granted. But in our state, we have to realize that we, because we've had exposure to it, doesn't mean that everybody else has had exposure to that, especially the arts. And so is part of the mission behind this to uh, just give these experiences, even experiences as simple as riding an escalator, to people so that they realize what's out there? We're Mm -hmm. just broadening horizons so they can dream bigger? Yeah, our model, uh, we created this with the Auntie Karen Young Entrepreneurs Conference, is think big, no bigger. And when we created this, it was 18 years ago, the adults were thinking think big, K-N-O-W, bigger, meaning that you think big and now you can expand your horizon and no bigger things. The kids were saying think big, N-O, no bigger than that. And so that's our model, and we have it so that when you see it, you can see the K-N-O-W and then the N-O, so that um, our mission is when you become exposed to what we offer, that you expand your mind and you can see yourself. And that's the other thing, too. I think it's really important when we decided to do Legends that kids of African descent have an opportunity to see that people who look like me has made a big difference into this community we call the arts, especially in music. I mean, we don't only focus on music, but because I'm a musician, that's where my heart is. Tell us a more about the other programs you have. So we've talked about the Young Entrepreneurs Conference. We've talked about the Entrepreneur, Technopreneur classes. Technopreneur. Technopreneur classes. Um, we, we, we've touched a little bit on uh, the Legends of Concert series, uh, but this is not all that you do. No, and, and associated with the Legends of series, I think I mentioned this before, we do the Legends of Masterclass. Right. And this year we'll have two masterclasses. Um, People Bryson will do one in the morning for kids across the state, and then Stephanie Mills will do one specifically with kids with special needs. She has a, a son with Down syndrome, and they've written a book together. And so we've invited kids with special needs and their parents to actually participate in that. Where do these happen? Uh, they're, they're, they're not open to the public. It's by invitation only. Okay. But the first one is a partnership with Laura Richland. Um, it's Richland School District 1. And, and it's so at Lower Richland, it's at High, Lower School? Richland, Lower Richland High School. And then the next one is at Keenan. Okay, so so there, it's in the schools. It's in the schools. And, we and invite, these are after school, during school? It's during school. Okay. So it's like a field trip. Right. So it gets the kids out of class, excited about something, and they get to come meet these amazing artists. Yes, and the kids in Richland School District 1 actually study their artists. So they'll study their work and know who they are, and they'll have these amazing questions. And sometimes they'll even prepare the music and perform for them. So the year we did, um, last year the kids got to play with the Isley Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, when Al Jarreau came back the second time, he taught a few a few kids how to scat. So they were singing, they were scatting with Al Jarreau. And then Shaka Shaka Khan kind of had like an American Idol type thing for kids and they got to perform for us. So it's it's a great 
opportunity for them to actually be exposed to these people that more than likely they never heard of before. And so um, they get a chance to learn about who these artists are and actually see them in person. Right. So it's a little bit of a history lesson in addition to being uh, inspiring and a music lesson. Yes. Um, the thing that I read about, and I'm assuming you're still doing this, there's the Gordon's Garden. Yeah. Gordon. And um, I, this was one of this was news to me. Okay. I completely didn't know about this. So tell, tell us about Gordon's Garden. So we have 15 original cartoon characters. They're divided into character sets. Olivia is and the Ocean Band. Gordon is a part of the Jamaican Yams and then Bull and Bear Financial Literacy. Gordon happens to be a purple, overweight Jamaican Yam who discovers he's pre-diabetic. And we have a free show on knowitall.org. If you go to knowitall.org, which is ETV's website, and put in Auntie Karen, you can see our five segments that are free. And when Gordon discovers he's pre-diabetic, he panics. So our mission is to teach kids how to all these healthy habits so that they can teach Gordon how to change his habits so that he doesn't become diabetic. And really, Gordon is really going to be their parent or another friend that really needs this information. So Gordon's Garden is a way for us to do raised bed gardens in schools and churches. And then Gordon's Discovery is our outreach programs where we go in and the kids do dance moves with Gordon. They make purple smoothies. Um, they discover how to do healthy snacks. And so that's, a, that's an initiative we've had going on, I think, since 2007. Um, what else do you want to tell us about? So you mentioned the ETV uh, website. You've got these five episodes with Gordon, but there's other episodes, right? Yeah. So um, you, you've got a ton of stuff out yeah. there, the educational free, content. And it's free. free available. Is, is it all through uh, SCETV or um, do you have it other places? South Carolina ETV was one of our partners and the State Department of Education was another partner. And with them, we did a civil rights oral history project where we interviewed eight civil rights living legends. We've um, since have lost one, Coach Harold White, who was the first African-American coach at USC. He died last year. Um, but these videos are available um, on the State Department's website, and we also have links to it on the AuntieKaren.org website. And then tell me about Hugs from Carolina. This was really special. Um, Olivia's mission is compassionate care through hugs. And I had just met this couple, Joe and Gladys Grimard. They had this organization called City Light. And 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit. And we were trying to figure out something that we could do special to bring some comfort. And I had Olivia, whose mission was to give hugs. And so Gladys and I wrote a book called Olivia Gave a Hug Today. And it's about Olivia giving hugs to the kids after Hurricane Katrina. And we ended up going to Biloxi, Mississippi. And we coined that outreach, Hugs from Carolina. And in Biloxi, we um, initially, the first time we went, we did a healing ceremony with people who had lost everything and gave away 20 hug kits, which was an Olivia puppet in a book. And in the back of the book is a hug log. And if you gave 100 hugs, something would happen. So Gladys said, okay, if you give 100 hugs, we'll give you a $25 gift certificate towards Toys R Us. Well, a teacher in the audience copied the book for her entire school. <laughs> we gave away 20 books she gave away I think it was like 140 kids had done 100 hugs and she mailed us a stack this high you can't see me guys but I'm holding it up the length of probably a yardstick of kids who had gone and given 100 hugs so Gladys myself and WIS TV went back to Biloxi Mississippi that um, Christmas of 2005 and we did the hugs for Christmas, where the kids had 
they had a countdown to Olivia. So they had this huge Olivia they had drawn. They had a countdown to us coming. We did um, like a hug ceremony. And then we took four busloads of kids to Toys R Us. And the people were saying that that hug thing was therapeutic because the kids ran into folks who had lost everything. They Some kids had seen their grandparents floating down you know, dying and floating down and, and they had lost everything, but they could still give. And what they could give was a hug to bring comfort to somebody else. So that's a, that's why it's really special to me. We have since done other hug campaigns. We did one with Shaw Air Force Base with my other book called um, A Hug While I'm Away. And it's about military deployment. And the day we did that, there were two kids whose parents were being deployed and they were separate groups. And so we didn't expect some little kids to start crying because their dad was gone. And so Olivia was there to give him a hug to comfort him. And then all of his friends gave him a hug to comfort him. So, you know, we found that we take for granted that everybody gets a hug, but that's not the case. So we found that these characters are bringing healing and warmth and happiness just by a simple act of giving a hug. So, at at the concerts, we always get to see Olivia the Octopus. Yes. And then I guess we also get to see Gordon. Yes. Right. So the, those are two characters that have fully realized costumes and they make special appearances. But you've got um, you've got other characters uh, that are part of the animated series. Do you have other um, do you have other costumed People um, or, or, eventually, or people we'll have all works? 15. Okay. But the other ones are, um, we have the puppet version of them that we'll put out there. They're not the life-size ones yet. So these are hand, hand puppets? These are hand puppets that are a part so you, of the TV show. Right. So you've got the full 15 hand puppets. Bull and or, Bear are just, they're flash animated. Okay. And But the other ones, yes. And we'll have them out on display. But eventually, I'd like to have all of them be live and have the puppets available for sale. So we do sell the Olivia puppets and we sell the Gordon puppets and then the other ones are one of a kind. But you're working on it. We're going to get yes, there. Yes, we'll get there. Yeah, um, you know, it's amazing I, how naive I was when when, I, when you said, oh, this how, how hard could this be? Yeah, and I got the bill and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's so funny because the people who did our costumes are here in Chapin. And you wouldn't realize it, but if you looked at most Super Bowl mascots. I think there was one year where two of their mascots were actually in the Super Bowl. I haven't checked it out since then. They're based right here in Chapin, so they made the Olivia and Gordon costume. And right, so they do this nationally. They do it, well, worldwide. Worldwide. Yes, they just happen to be based here in South Carolina. That's fantastic. Um, who who plays those characters? Do you do you have uh, the, is, is it the same? Is it the same people all the time? Is it no? You know, it's, is, is it's, it sort uh, of like uh, Chewbacca is you know always Chewbacca? Well. Or, we we or is this a are they high school students you know is this well a, well the person who uh, who originated the personality because all the all the characters have personalities she um she started it but we have a training video so anybody that's in the costume has to pass you know you can't just be in the costume well th i know that's why i was bringing it up i was wondering if you've got like a yeah. particular person or how no. that works initially when we first started we had just one person but you know everybody grows and, and this mm -hmm. is I, i've had the olivia costume since 2008 
And so we have had other people. We can't tell you who they are. Well, it's kind of course. Like, well, it's, they're always Olivia. They're always Olivia, but we can't tell you who's in the costume. But we can tell you that you have to um, learn a little bit about the personalities of the characters in order to, to be a character. How often do do they attend stuff? So I, I see them at the Legends of, but like, do they go to the master classes? Do they get, make appearances in schools? Um, as, we as do stuff in schools. Things? Like this weekend, we're doing a bunch of um, outreach programs centered around Gordon. So they'll be at a um, a hug event this weekend for Valentine's Day for seniors, and then we'll be doing a series of family fun nights and community block parties between now and June, and the characters will be there as well. Now, are you still performing? You talked about, you know, you got into this because of your love yeah. for music and and you you were a performer and you had a band. Um, and I sort of knew this about you, but I've never seen you sing. And so I was just wondering if uh, you're still you're still I, you know, the last time the band, we well, the year we brought Gladys Knight, 2013, we had what we called a straight ahead, which was the name of the band Reunion. And that was really the last time I performed with those guys. But every now and then I might sit in with a jazz group or um, if you count singing in the choir at church, that's about it for the singing. I, I miss it, but when I was doing it, it was an obsession and I felt the need to do it. But everything has a season and I think 30 plus years of singing, it's, it's not that it's over, it's just not, I'm not as passionate about me doing it versus me showcasing other people. Can we talk about the Antikaren All-Stars? Sure. Right? Because uh, they the All-Stars open every concert yes. at the Coker Center for the Arts. And who are these All-Stars? Tell us about how, uh, how you find these musicians of tomorrow. It was a compromise. At first, when we started doing the All-Star Band, I wanted to honor what we consider all-star legends. So the seasoned artists that were here that have been playing in this community for years but didn't have a large platform. So when we started, um, we showcased them for a number of years. So you put together a band of local pro professional slash semi-professional musicians, people who were performing on a regular basis as a way to say, wouldn't you like to be on stage opening for this legend? Yeah, and it, and, and it wasn't that strategic. It was. You need a band. Who, who, who? No, I have a lot of musician friends. Right. So it was like I knew somebody who probably could use like maybe they had a CD coming out or like when we first started, I I was more intimately involved. Um, Trey Taylor and Terrence Young actually head up that for me, um, and they convinced me that we are running out of these amazing seasoned musicians, why don't you consider bringing up and coming? And so we started the Auntie Karen All Youth All-Star Band, and it's been that ever since. This year we're doing an all-female All-Star Band. So Terrence Young acts as sort of the music director, is that Terrence what is the musical director, okay. and Terrence Young and Trey Taylor coordinate that effort every year. So they have been selecting the musicians. Um, as I said, when I first when we first started this, I intimately knew all the artists. You went out probably and asked them yourself, hey, yeah, I've got this but, thing. Yeah, I. some of the people I don't know. And some of the people I'm seeing for the first time, like the audiences, and I've been blown away each year at the talent that we have here in our, in our state. Um, we don't limit it to Columbia. 
but we will find that most of the people will probably be in the Midlands because they do have to practice. But we don't limit the showcasing to just people that are in Columbia. So I, last year's band was, um, what do we call the Musicians of Tomorrow? Yes. Right? And, and so this year's band is similarly, is it? Is it this year's all band is all band, female. But it, So it's not necessarily uh, students. Right. Right. They're, they're, I would say they're probably all under 40, but I don't think they're students. And so is every year's band a different theme? So did Terrence come, go into this and Trey go into this saying, you know, let's, let's put together. Well, again, a, it's, it's a partnership between Terrence and Trey. Right. So and did they specifically set out to say, let's put together an all-female band or did it just sort of fall into place that way? You don't know. I think when, when, cause I'm, they have complete control. So you got to let some things go in your life, yeah, right? Yeah, if you understand that. I, if you want to get stuff accomplished, you have <laughs> yes. to find people you trust and say, please do this. So they came to me after they had their discussion and said, this is the first time we've ever done this. We're going to have an all-female all-star band. And I was like, great. I trust your judgment. So that's how that came about. So I can't say that I had anything to do with the selection of the artists. But I can tell you the ones that I know are amazing artists. Whoa. As a matter of fact, a couple of them have been the artists teaching in the schools for us. Fantastic. I mean, they're always a excellent. I was either last year or the year before when they were in introducing them, you know, and it was like this, here's some 14 or 15 year old. <laughs> yeah. <you're>, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're standing, I'm in the way back. Uh -huh. Like I can't really, I'm not paying attention. And I was like, wait, what? Well, the drummer you, is how old? The one year that I really, I'm not sure if you were there or not, but we had done the master class with Sheila E. We paid tribute to Prince and um, Prince and Prince's drummer was from Columbia and we had a master class at his old high school and his old high school played for Sheila E at the master class and she invited them to play and open up for her at the concert. So that was probably one of my that, favorites. I think that was the one uh, where they was the high school kids. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't so. realize that they were all high school kids playing. <laughs> it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Um, so you've you've done getting back to the legends of concert. Uh, so you you started this. This is partially a fundraiser. But, yes, but it's also a part of the mission, as you said, to showcase artists to so that people can see this is Black History Month. As we can see, really legendary African American artists on stage. Did you know that this is something you want to do right from the beginning as as a part of the foundation? We knew we wanted to when we so when we had our strategy sessions. We knew we wanted to do one big event. Um, it wasn't clear what that big event would look like. We just knew it was going to be a dress-up night. As I told you, when you step out on faith, you become a magnet. I was literally having um, a meeting at my home, and this guy was new to town, and someone told him he needed to meet me. And when I started talking to him and telling him about this vision, he said, well, who would you like to have if you could have anybody in concert? And I said, I really want Roberta Flack. And he said, well, she's my cousin. So that first year we had Roberta Flack and he proposed to his wife at, at, the, at the event. So, I mean, I can't make this stuff up. So literally we, we knew on paper we wanted to have something, didn't know what it looked like. And the Legends of series kind of grew up out of that. Um, we knew what we would call it before we actually had a first artist. And the goal was to um, not just do jazz, but jazz was my passion. So, it wasn't les so we have Legends of dot, dot, dot. So we could be a little bit more flexible with, which is very smart. Who we present. 
can I ask you a few questions just about the presenting, promoting, producing business? Because what I want to say is, how, how do you how do you decide? How do you come to decide who's going to be here? Because it is not as simple as saying it would be great to get Roberta Flack, and somebody says, "Oh, we're good friends. Let me <laughs> give her a call." Uh, you're these artists that you've had are uh, huge stars who have agents and we're in Columbia, South Carolina, and they're not necessarily on tour, but some of them are. So how, how do you work through, I think I'm just, I'm asking from a, to inf from, you know, the idea of inform us as to the challenges and, and because uh, you make it seem like it is so easy just to get people in, into the Coger Center and it is not that easy. So I, no, I we hear have how you all we have a team. Happen. We have a um, a Legends of Executive Committee, and then we have volunteers. About a hundred people pulled this together. Um, not every single day, a hundred people. There's about fifteen of us on the executive team, and we start brainstorming. We'll do a survey at this concert, and we'll look at what people say or who they say they want to see. Then we start our wish list, and then I have a booking agent. And more recently, a person on our team has done the booking. But we start our wish list, and then we put it out there, and we give them the date. And it's usually a number of things. Either they're not available because of the date, or they're way out of our comfort zone for, for one artist, one in a million. Um, Literally a million dollars? A million dollars. Several wanted about 250 So we decide how, much are we, how hard are we willing to work to raise that money? Because you know it's not just their fee. It's the writer and the hotel and all that other stuff that comes along with that. So usually by November, we have negotiated. We have crossed out the people that are too expensive or unavailable. And another um, rule is they have to do the master class. So I had an artist that we, we really thought we wanted. She was young. She, was, she would pull a lot of people, but they wouldn't commit to the master class. So she was removed. Taken off the list. And I know you probably don't want to hear this, but we do a lot of praying. And we pray for whomever is supposed to be on that stage to be on that stage. And that's how it's worked out. For now, this is year 16. How long a wish list do you have to put together in order to get somebody? You can't just start with, here are three people we want. No, you we... Come up, would you come up with a dozen? We usually dozen have names? about 10 names. Okay. And then we narrow it down to the top three. And then we have an A top three and a B top three. So we start with the top three that we really want. And then if they are or not available. And then we look at, like, for example, this year we have two artists. So in the decision is, while they're both great artists, will one of the artists fill by themselves? So the compromise was we have two artists who have similar audience, but they also have some different appeals to other people so we brought them together and two years ago when you did the tribute to prince you had morris day in the time and sheila e yes and was that the thinking for that as well yes you, you wanted just to have two artists i mean they both made perfect sense yes for prince but they and they both went well together but they're slightly different artists yes and and morris day would pull in a different audience than sheila e would um, have you done other pairs like this? Other than yeah, those? actually, one year we did three. We did a tribute to George Duke, and we had um, Jonathan Butler, Kurt Whalem, and Layla Hathaway, who had all worked with George Duke. Um, I, 
the question I want to ask, I don't know if you'll answer, but is <laughs> who, if you already started thinking about next year? I know we haven't even got to this year. No, we take work. about a month off, and um, we do usually early March, we do a wrap-up party, and one of the things that I always feel it's important to do is to thank the people who helped you do. So we have... As you just said, it takes over 100 people to right. make this happen. So we do um, a wrap-up party, and we do what worked, what didn't work, and I thank the folks that have been a part of the team. And then from there, we start talking about our wish list. We probably won't have a formal meeting until May after the wrap-up party in March. Well, I can't wait to see who's coming up next. But what that I really can't, two of us. <laughs> can't wait to see is uh, this year we've got Stephanie Mills and Peebo Bryson performing at the Coger Center for the Arts. Yes. February 21st. Show starts at 8. Yes. There's the Anti-Karen All-Stars all-female band, new version of the Anti-Karen All-Star band opening. Yes. So they start performing at 8, is that right? Or do they go on earlier? They We have just a little bit of what we call the formal stuff. And um, each year there's an Auntie Karen impact video. And that, so it's that um, we have the president, our new president, coming in to say hello. And then I come out and I say hello and thank all the people for coming. And then that video and then the all-star band. And there's a silent auction. Silent auction. That that actually starts. We have a VIP reception and that's sold out. So that's from 6 to 730 along with the silent auction. And then you can um, bid up until concert time for the auction. And then after that, um, you went, you find out an intermission, which you've won. Can you give us an idea of what kinds of things you got Yeah, over 77 items in the auction. We have a signed basketball by Asia Wilson. We have Alex English did a signed basketball. We have um, hotel, dinner, um, art, lots of art. And then uh, the All-Star Band. And then who's playing first in the evening after the All-Star Band is? After the, after the intermission, it's Stephanie Mills. And then a slight break. And then there's Peebo Bryson. All right. Should be super exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, the other thing that we do, I'm not sure if you noticed this or not, but remember the young man that I told you dressed Michelle Obama? And yes. yes. So we showcase that type of artist as well. So he was he just happened to be one of our young entrepreneurs and I have a glam squad. Um, Deborah Lloyd, Trey Taylor, uh, Richard Sims, who does hair and makeup, and then Sergio Hudson, who did the Michelle Obama dress. Well, Sergio is now in a wonderful California working with amazing stylists. And it's not that he doesn't have time for me because he did my outfit last year. We wanted to lift up somebody else. So we have a new fashion designer this year that we'll be um, exposing Columbia to as well. Fantastic. So is that a surprise? Oh, her name is Ming Lee. Okay. This is my first time using her, but uh, I love what I've seen so far. So we hope that um, that will be a bonus or a boost to, to her her career as well. And is she local? Or She's local. Fantastic. She's in Lexington. Fantastic. But she, if, if you look at her stuff, she should be global. She, she won't be local for long, is what you're saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, is there anything else that you feel like we should know about you, the Anti-Karen Foundation, about the concert coming up that you'd like to share with people? I think the biggest thing is that we're still on a mission and our purpose has never wavered and that we depend on donations. You can always uh, support the foundation by checking out our website, AntiKaren.org. Uh, we have opportunities for people to volunteer. We also have opportunities to showcase. If you have a young person that you think is talented, and, and needs an opportunity 
to have a, pl- a platform, then check us out. Uh, we definitely love our partnership with the Cogar Center. And well, we love your, our partnership with you. <laughs> and look forward to um, continuing that partnership. Well, the concert is February 21st. Uh, come early to check out the silent auction. There will be music on stage by 8 o'clock. You've and got three bands. Yes, yes. What, what were you going to add? And I was going to say those people who come to the actual reception, the reception's on two levels. So you can go to the basement, you can check out the silent auction stuff, and then you can go on the next floor and also hear music and, and get food. So it's going to be an evening you don't want to miss. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. It's my pleasure. I, I love hearing about all of the work that goes on. Uh, you do so much. So continue the good work. Thank you so much. Um, you've been listening to the Coger Center Arts Roundup. The Coger Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the student media partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at CogerCenterForTheArts.com the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit garnetmedia.org.